Well, good morning, church. Happy Easter to everyone. And uh, on this Easter Sunday, I'm going to share a short message today called Fresh Start, because that is what the Easter story is all about. It's about the time that God intervened in human history in order to give humanity a fresh start. After we have all gone our own way, we've all turned away from God, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, God decides to do something that enables us to have a fresh start. And you know, I always think it's really interesting that the, uh, the, the Easter story, the death and the resurrection of Jesus, took place at the time in the year when it did round about springtime, because spring is when we are used to seeing lots of fresh starts happening. You know, we begin, we begin to see grass that looked brown and dead being miraculously resurrected and turning green and beginning to grow. We see flowers that disappeared last fall come back to life again. All of a sudden, bumblebees are out and birds are hatching little eggs in their nest. And your wife is telling you that it's time to spring clean the house and get the garage sorted out and all of that kind of stuff. And so all of a sudden, there's a cleanup and there's a renewal and there's new life and there's brightness and there's activity going on because spring is a season when lots of things have a fresh start. And springtime was the time that God planned for when Jesus came here, when he would die on the cross, and when he would rise again from the dead with the power to give new life, to give a new beginning, to give a fresh start to anyone who would believe in him. And so, that's what Easter's about. And this parable, this story that we just watched there on the screen, is a very famous story that Jesus told. It's called the parable of the prodigal son. And it's about a guy who has two children, but he's lost one of them. And I, it makes me think, what would you do if you lost one of your children? What would you do if a child... That had, been, that had been part of your family, that you, had been yours, suddenly gets lost or is snatched or somehow or other, you now have a lost child. Well, obviously you're going to call the police and obviously you're going to put in a missing persons report and things like that. But I'm pretty sure you're not going to sit at home watching Netflix waiting for the police to find your lost child and bring them home. You are going to do everything you possibly can in order to bring your lost children home. You would do anything, anything that anybody suggested to you that just might work, you would do it. Many years ago, I heard a story. I can't remember all the details of it, but I can remember the basic parts of the story. And it was about a couple who, they were in the United States. They, were, they lived in a state that has a lot of desert area. It could have been California. It could have been Arizona. I don't know where it was. So, but it was someplace like that. Anyway, they lived in a city 
And they had two children, a little boy and a little girl, and they both went missing. Well, you can imagine that the parents were absolutely besides themselves, trying to work out where their kids had gone. Have they been snatched? Have they been taken? Have they wandered away and got lost? Are, are they perfectly safe, but they're just at a friend's house that we didn't think to ask? All of this stuff. And of course, the police were out looking for them as well. And the parents just didn't know what to do. Like, what could they do? And somebody that they knew told them a story about, well, you know, I don't know about all this religious stuff and spiritual stuff and all of that, but I heard somebody else, I know somebody else that's always going on about how we have power in the words that we speak. And they keep quoting Jesus. Jesus said, if you've got faith and you speak words out in faith, even the mountains in your life will remove you know, maybe you could try that, you know? And so they thought, well, it sounds silly. It sounds unscientific. It sounds superstitious. It sounds like it won't accomplish anything, but we are so desperate, we will do anything that could possibly bring our lost children home. Well, they didn't want to do it in the neighborhood or whatever, so they drove out to the desert where nobody could hear them, where their children wouldn't be around, and they faced the north, the south, the east, and the west. And at the top of their lungs, knowing their kids couldn't hear them, but doing it just in the belief that it might do something, they shouted, Johnny, Susie, come home. And they shouted that to the four winds until they lost their voice and couldn't shout anymore. They got back into their car and they drove home. And about an hour later, the police turned up with Johnny and Susie who had been snatched and who thought there was nothing they could do to help themselves and were hoping and waiting for somebody to come to rescue them. But then when they were questioned, they said, we just knew, I don't know why, but we just couldn't shake this feeling that our mom and dad were out looking for us everywhere and calling our name everywhere. We, and we thought we need to do something. So they climbed out the window and got away and found the cops and the cops brought them home and they were returned safely to their parents' house. You would do anything that it took to bring your lost children home. And do you know that Easter is all about what God did? to bring his lost children home. He went to the uttermost. He, the, what was the most extreme thing he could do to bring his children home? The God who fills all things. The God who knows all things. The God who created all things said, I will become one of them and I will live amongst them and I will, I will let them put me to death on a cross. And when they do that, I will take all their sins, all their selfishness, all their darkness, all their lostness, and I will bring it upon myself so that they could be free from it. Then I will rise again from the dead with the power to save and to change their lives. I will do the ultimate thing. I will give myself as the ultimate sacrifice in order to bring my lost children home. 
You know, just like those kids couldn't hear the voice of their parents shouting, but there was something inside them saying to them, I know my parents are shouting her name. You know, you might not be able to see God, you might not be able to hear God, but I'm here to tell you that Jesus himself, his whole life, his death, and his resurrection, Jesus is the voice of God shouting to you, Johnny, come home, Bob, come home, Susie, Jill, whatever your name is, come home. Jesus is the word of God, the voice of God calling you to come home. And that's what that parable was all about. That story that Jesus told, that was what it was all about. It was about a lost child, a lost son who had wandered away from the father's house, who had been selfish and self-centered and sinful and wanted to live his life his way and wanted nothing to do with his family and wanted nothing to do with his father. And he didn't even want to wait for his father to die to get his inheritance. He, He said to his father, I want my inheritance now. He was basically saying, I wish you were dead now. I wish you were dead and I had your money and I could do whatever I want with my life. And do you know that the father, although brokenhearted, allowed the son to do what he wanted with his life? And do you know that God, brokenhearted often, allows us when we stubbornly refuse to follow him, to go our own way, even though he knows what the consequences will be? Well, at first, it didn't look like any consequences. The boy goes out and parties, and he's got lots of money, and he's got lots of friends, and he's got a great social life, and probably some lonely person's looking at him, I wish I had his social life. I wish I had his life. But very quickly, that empty, shallow, hollow life comes to nothing. And the boy finds himself with the most basic and low down of jobs, feeding pigs. Remember, he was Jewish, and to even be near pigs was to be unclean. And here he was tending pigs and feeding pigs and even eating the pig food himself. You know, that was just the third of three stories in a row that Jesus told to get across the point that God will go to any lengths to bring his lost children home again. The first story is called the story of the lost sheep. And Jesus said, imagine there was a shepherd and he had a hundred sheep in his flock. But one day he notices that one's missing and he's only got 99 That shepherd would leave the 99 sheep in the sheep pen there and go out through the hills and vales in order to find this lost sheep. And when he finds this sheep, he picks it up and brings it home. And Jesus is saying this, you know, the church is like the sheepfold where all of God's flock gather together. But some of you, are like the sheep that escaped. Maybe this is the first time you've been back in church for years. And hey, those of you watching online, 
maybe it's time for you to come back to the sheepfold and stop wandering on the internet on your own. It's great that we can connect with you there, but you need to be part of the flock. The good shepherd's at your door right now knocking, looking for you. And so sheep, it's unusual. It's not natural for a sheep to be a loner. Sheep live in flocks. And brothers and sisters live in families. And spiritual families gather together with God as our Father. And you know, whenever I think of that story of the, the lost sheep, it reminds me of the stories you occasionally hear in the news. I, I think I've seen about three over the last few years. And I saw one just, it was just a few weeks ago, and it was about a sheep that the farmer realized that every time he, it was shearing season and he came to shear this sheep, there was one of the sheep that always ran away when they saw the farmer coming and it had found a little cave and it, it kept going and hiding in this cave until eventually this one sheep had avoided being sheared for three years and eventually its fleece had grown so much, it was just like a big round ball. It could hardly walk. And it couldn't eat because the, the, fle the fleece was all over the place. It couldn't even eat now. So eventually it came rolling home to the farmer and it's like, I give in, just fleece me. You know, sometimes we will do things like that prodigal son or like that sheep. We will want to go our own way. We will, we will wander away down a path that we shouldn't go down. And we will do it even though it will harm us. And we will try to get away from God because we don't want him controlling our life. Even though what we are doing will harm us and all God wants to do is bless us. And yet we still run away, the lost sheep. And then secondly, Jesus said, he told a story called the lost coin. He said there was a lady and she had some coins that were very valuable, this old widow woman, but she lost a couple of them and she didn't know where they were. And so she searched everywhere through the house, lifting up the furniture and everything, and she would not rest until that thing which was most valuable to her was found again. And Jesus was saying there, when God looks out on the world, when God looks at you and your life, he sees you as something of infinite value to him. You are created in the image and likeness of God. You are of infinite value to him. And he will search and search for you until he finds you. He will lift up every bit of furniture. He will arrange all kinds of circumstances. Maybe you didn't even know you were coming here today. Maybe the last minute your wife said to you, let's just go to church. Or maybe you were scrolling through Facebook looking for some political thing to become angry about. And da-da, you found Jesus instead. The Father has arranged the circumstances to find you. You lost coin, you lost sheep, you lost child. And then, of course, the parable here of the prodigal son, the lost son. And it says that the lost son is here in this pig pen. 
He, go, he, he thinks going out into the world away from his father is going to be great. And at first it seems that way, but it's empty, it's hollow, it's shallow, it's dead and miserable. And there's a, an amazing verse there where Jesus says, while he's in the pig pen, it says, the young man came to his senses. If you're trying to live your life without God, do that to yourself. <laughs> Come to your senses. You're a pathetic little human being like the rest of the, us. You have no power over your destiny. You have no power over the universe. If you think you can make more of your life than God can make of your life, Come to your senses. Wake up. You might think you're living your own, your, your own life your way. You might be like Frank Sinatra gasping on your deathbed. Well, at least I did it my way. You know? Uh, but the truth of the matter is if you come to your senses and open your eyes, if you're living without Christ, your life is a stinking pig pen and you're covered in the filth of the world and there's nothing you can do to change that. But if you come to your senses and say, hold on a minute, my father, what am I doing? My father loves me. He treats his servants better than I'm treating myself. I'm going back to the father's house, but will he accept me? Will he take me? Maybe I've gone too far. Maybe I've done too much. Maybe I'm too dirty. Maybe I'm too destroyed. Maybe I've wasted everything. Will he take me back? And Jesus said, when the father saw the son coming a long way off. Hey, maybe you're on a journey today. Maybe you're coming to Jesus. Maybe you're coming back to the father's house. I want to tell you something. You might have only decided that to come here two hours ago or to tune in five minutes ago, but a long way off, God knew this day was coming. He saw it in advance, and it says the father ran towards his son with open arms and embraced him in his filthy condition, in his rebellious condition, in his demoralized condition with shame hanging over his head, the father embraced him and welcomed him back. And then it tells us three amazing things. Rebecca, could you give me those two jackets up here, please, that are at the end? Then Jesus tells us three amazing things that the father, thank you, the father does for the son. Right, these are two jackets. They are, they are both decent jackets, but we're going to pretend one's a load of old rags. And we'll use this one as the rags because it has patches on the elbows, so we'll pretend that it's full of holes and it's got patches on it. But it was bought like that. I just want you to know. I don't, okay. And then we'll make this jacket the rich one because look at the beautiful Look at the beautiful silk seam that's got. Isn't that totally cool? So, so that's the expensive one. Okay. So it says the son came to the father's house wearing filthy rags. Wearing filthy rags. And you know, that symbolizes what we are like. 
we are clothed in our own guilt, our own sin, our own selfishness, self-centeredness. We're clothed with it. We try to get away. You know, I'm going to go some, I'm going to move someplace and start a new life. That's great. There's only one problem. You're taking yourself with you. And all of your problems that you created yourself, you will create them somewhere else. We are clothed in it. And it's like, will my father accept me like this? And you know what the Bible says? Jesus said, he said, the father didn't even say to the son, don't come in my house like this. Go and clean yourself up first. God doesn't even ask us to clean ourselves up first. He says, come just the way you are and I will change you. I will clean you up. I will give you a new heart. I will give you a fresh start. And it says, the father said, take those rags off him and get a nice robe and put the robe on him. And so the first thing that the father gave him was a robe. Now, what does a robe symbolize? In the Bible, a robe often symbolizes righteousness. Look at this. Let's look. Next slide. The robe equals righteousness. Righteousness is a kind of old-fashioned word, maybe not one that we use a lot today, but it means to be made right and to be put in right relationship with God. In other words, when Jesus died on the cross, all of our sins and selfishness, all of our filthy garment, he put that on himself and he took off his purity, his innocence, his holiness, his sinlessness, his righteousness, and he gave it to us to put on. Look what it says here in the book of Isaiah. The Lord my God has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has wrapped me with a robe of righteousness. Have you experienced that yet? Have you put your faith in Christ and you know what it is like to have your old life stripped away and be given the gift of a brand new, guilt-free, shame-free life? That's what the Father does for his lost children when they return home. And then the second thing that it says is they put a ring on his finger. Now, if I used a real ring, you can't see it from there. So I'm using this, which is it's actually a roll of tape, but it's big enough for you to see it like a ring. And the ring, remember in those days they had signet rings. You know, they had, it had like a, the, the, um, a, some heraldry or a coat of arms or some symbol that was that family's symbol. And when they would write a letter, they would seal it with wax and they would sign it with the signature ring or the signet ring. You know, we're brought into the family of God. And in our own self, we don't, we don't have any holiness or righteousness to earn anything. That's why when we pray, when we send our requests to God, we sign our prayers. I don't say, and I pray this in my own name and because of my own goodness. No, I pray in the name of Jesus. I sign my prayers with the family name. And the Bible says that when, when you come to Christ, God takes, 
like symbolically, he takes his signet ring and he presses it into your heart and he puts his mark upon you and he says, you're mine and he puts his spirit inside you. Look what it says here. When you believed in Christ, he marked you as his own by giving you the seal of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is God's guarantee that we will inherit what he promised. And he has purchased us to be his own people. He got a robe, he got a ring, and he got a new relationship again with the Father. You know, if this is me putting on my clean clothes, I'm now clean from all my past and I've been given the authority of God. I've been given God's presence in my life, his spirits in my life, and he has, he has put his seal upon me. He then invites me out of the world and into the Father's house. If this drum box here is the Father's house, I come into the Father's house. I dwell in God's house. I am part of his family. He is my father. I am his child. Heaven is my home. Jesus is my elder brother. Other believers are my brothers and sisters. I'm no longer alone. I'm no longer in a pig pen. I'm no longer dirty. I'm no longer lost. I'm in the Father's house. I have a relationship because he has made me righteous and clean, because he has sealed me as one of his own. He has now brought me, in, not into a religion, into a relationship with God, where he is my Father and I am his child. You are no longer strangers and foreigners to God. No, you are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together, we are his house. You know, that this is what Easter's all about. Easter is all about how God did everything he could to bring his lost children home. And if you're here today or you're watching online and you think you might be lost, that you haven't yielded your life to Christ, that you don't know what it feels like when you believe in Jesus to have your old life washed away and a new life given to you and God's presence to come into you and for him to be your father and for you to be his child and for the church to be your family and the father's house. If you don't know what that's like, you can know what that's like today. You can come to your senses and come to the Father's house. And if you are a believer, if you are a child of God, if Christ is your Savior, but for some reason or other, you got wandering out of the Father's house again, you know, it was two in the morning and you decided to climb out the bedroom window and see what the world had to offer, and you've ended up in the pig pen of life again, come back to the Father's house. He will clean you up. He will change you. Yeah, but other Christians might judge me. You know, the elder brother said, hmm, he, he shouldn't come back. And the father said, yes, he should. He's my child and I want him as part of my family. 
Uh, and, and if you are walking with God, but you have family members and loved ones who are far away from him, we are also going to pray that your prodigals come home today. Before we pray together and bring the service to a close, I want you to just watch this short video. One of our sisters here in the Gateway family, who was a child of God and who went wandering away, was brought back to the Father's house again and is going to share her story. So just watch this for a moment and then we'll pray together. Good morning. My name is Dee, and uh, I've been a Christian most of my life. As a teenager, I went to the Salvation Army Church. Um, there were some ups and downs during my teenage life. I uh, left home at 18 to, you know, work, living on, living on my own. Um, I married and divorced at the age of 21, and then remarried <clears throat> the father of my children. And we, uh, he was military, so we were all over the world, actually. Our first posting was in Manitoba. Then from Manitoba, we moved to Bagotville, Quebec, which is in northern Quebec. I attended a, a church on base. And then we moved to Germany, um, which was awesome, like to see the country. And the, the, yeah, it was just a, an experience that I will never forget. Uh, my children learned to ski in the Alps. And then we came back and we uh, got posted to Coal Lake. And in Coal Lake, I started attending the Alliance Church in Coal Lake North and became part of the family there. I was the Sunday school uh, director and taught some Sunday school. I also was part of the worship team. Uh, my husband became a Christian there as well. And then our marriage fell apart. So I had to raise two teenage children by myself. And once the kids grew up, they both left me. Uh, they moved, Drake went to Briarcrest and Stephanie went down to Medicine Hat to attend college. Yeah, that's kind of when my life started to fall apart and things started to go downhill. I was alone, I was lonely, and I was praying to God for, you know, an, another spouse. And uh, sometimes we forget to wait for God's answer and we take matters into our own hands. And I just think of a, the, the, you know, um, God gave us free will. And sometimes when we take that free will, we screw things up. And I got into a relationship with a, another female and uh, yeah, things really went out in left field. Yeah, I actually had someone tell me that God will never hear me and never hear my prayers, will never hear my praise because I was sinning. And it just pushed me further away from the church, pushed me further away from God. And um, yeah, I was devastated and my relationship that relationship went downhill and um, I moved back back to Edmonton and connected with with my children again I found myself here at Gateway and I I found myself searching for God and uh, 
he was always here. He was here for me and he opened me, he opened his arms and welcomed me back into his arms. And it just like was such a relief, such a, a joyous time to know that um, my loving father has always been there for me, that he was waiting for me just to come back to him. He never leaves us, we leave him. And it, it's just coming back to him was, was the most peaceful and joyful thing that ever happened to me. Um, I became involved in the church again. My life is so much um, easier, you know, because I, I can always, whenever things get tough, I know that I can always turn to God. And, and even though God doesn't take away the problems, He always gives us a way to make it through. It's just been so great and that I, to be able to rededicate myself to God. I even got baptized again just to, re to reaffirm with myself and with God and with everybody around that I'm, I am a child of God. And I know that um, He's always gonna be there for me. Like my relationship now with my children is just awesome. Uh, my relationship here at the church like I have friends here at the church that I know love me and I love them back because they too are, are part of my family, the family of God. And I'm so glad to be part of the family of God again. That was great, wasn't it? I'm so glad to be part of the family of God again. Jesus said, anyone who comes to me I will never turn them away. Come on, let's stand together, church. We're going to pray. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Before I do so, I just want to point out that on the tables in front of you, you'll see this little leaflet, this little brochure called Your Spiritual Journey. This will help you if you open it up. It will help you to identify where you are in your journey through life and what the next step you need to take is. And on the back of it, there's some Bible verses and a prayer that you can pray, but we're gonna pray it together now. We're gonna put it up on the screen and we're gonna pray asking God to forgive us, make us clean, make us new people, make us the kind of people He always intended us to be. And then we're gonna pray that He will also bring all of our loved ones who are straying away back to the Father's house again. So you joining us online, you also pray this prayer with us. So are you, are you ready to pray, church? Let's look at the prayer on the screen and let's pray together. One, two, three. Father God, I know that I am a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart and life by the presence of your Spirit. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for forgiving my sins and giving me eternal life. Transform me into the kind of person you want me to be. I also pray for my family and loved ones. Bring them all into your kingdom 
I pray in Jesus' name. And everyone shout it. Let's give God a praise, church. Come on.